Hey everybody, welcome back to Back to Basic. I am your host, Danielle, and as always, I am so excited that you are joining me this week and that we are getting back to the basics together. So this week is a really interesting interview that I hope that you find something valuable in. I interviewed Britt Pham, um, who I actually met, of course, through my amazingly talented cousin, Jess Costa. Britt is an event producer. She works on shifting culture and creating community and helping people find space. And the thing that really resonated with me this week and the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is creating space and what that means for you. First of all, I love that phrase. I think that it is just such a different way to say what you're trying to say. So If I'm trying to say that something in my life is frustrating me and I need to give it space, I'm basically saying like I need to step away from it. I need to find what works for me and either come back to it or let it go. Something that I'm really trying to work on. I'm not great at letting things go. Um, But, you know, work in progress. Hopefully new year, new goals. I also love the idea of finding the space for yourself to relax, finding the space for yourself to work. What works for you may not work for other people and that's okay. I know that a lot of the times we are running a million miles a minute. We try to do everything. I mean, you know that I always try to do everything and I try to do it well. And obviously that's not always the case, um, as is being a human. And trying to find the space to let yourself be okay with that and be okay with not being productive all the time. Be okay with not being perfect. Um, That's something that I really need to work on. And I'm, I'm saying it on the intro of this podcast as kind of a little bit of accountability that I'm actually going to try to do that. And also because in this podcast with Britt, you know, we talk a lot about um, what works for you, like shifting the way we work, shifting the way we think, how we let go of things and how we hold on to them. And so I think it's a great lesson for all of us, um, especially just in the world we are in now. So yes, this is my accountability podcast intro that I'm going to work on finding the space for myself to let things go more, to be okay more when I'm not as productive and as busy and to really open myself up to that. Um, So Britt talks a lot about her career and taking a break from her career and burnout, which again ties back to what I just said about running a million miles a minute. And it's a really interesting conversation about like letting go and finding what works for you. Something else really quick before we jump into the interview, which I'm really excited for you to hear. um, And I hope that you let me know what kind of space you're trying to create for yourself, especially as we go into a new year. But Britt does talk about indigenous land acknowledgments and she made a few brief land acknowledgments throughout the podcast and something that she taught me after our interview is that land acknowledgments are typically a little more formal they are most of the time initiated at the opening of an event or a gathering to acknowledge the land in which you are at Um, she does say that she has been trying to refer to the land that she has occupied Um, or she is currently occupying by its pre-colonial name anytime she refers to her location, which is why you will hear her mention New York City where she was as Lenape land. Um, I am very new to this. This is something I only have heard of very recently um, through her, through my cousin, through a few other people. So I am not an expert on it by any means, and I really appreciate her educating me and hopefully educating you on that and how that's important to do. I did look up where I am right now, and please excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, but 
Currently, I am in the Wappinger and Muncie Lenape territory. Um, and that's just something that I want to acknowledge as well in the spirit of Brit, in the spirit of her teaching me something, and hopefully in the spirit of you learning something as we get into this mini podcast gathering that we are about to get into with this interview. That being said, I hope that you are ready to create space for this interview, for yourself, for whatever you may need, and I hope that you learn something from this because I always learn something from everyone I get back to basic with. I hope that you are ready and excited, and I hope that you are ready to get back to basic with Brit Fam. Britt, thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really honored to have been thought of and have been asked to be on your show. Um, I'm doing good, all things considered. I am trying to answer more honestly that question because I feel like it's such a passing, like, how are you? I'm good. I'm fine. Great. Okay, let's get down to business. Um, But all things considered, I'm actually really good. I'm feeling really rested. I'm feeling a little bit like hot and like cozy right now and really excited to chat. You and I met uh, through Jess Costa, but um, I don't want to ramble. I want you to jump into it. So tell us about yourself and tell us what you do. Yes. Amazing. Big question to start with. Uh, (laughs) Always. I am Brit Pham. My pronouns are she, her. Uh, I am a daughter of immigrants and refugees. I'm a first generation Vietnamese, Laos American. Um, And I consider myself a storyteller and a community builder and a quote, creator of space in many ways. Um, Professionally, my background is in event production and facilitation of events, workshops, ritual spaces. And I love what I do. I really love it. Uh, It's hard because I feel like there's like two conversations sometimes, one where it's like, this is what I do and here's my resume. And then another conversation of like, but I'm more than just my job. And I'm trying to find currently that balance between the two and just unashamedly embracing like I love my job. And I'm so lucky that I love my job. So it's okay (laughs) to introduce myself by my job, but and also more than than what I do. That's the nutshell version. (laughs) I did okay. Yes, that was great. Now we'll uh, get into the nutshell. Um, I I just want to side note too, because it's interesting that you pointed that out about finding yourself beyond your job, because I feel like a lot of us put so much weight into what we do in the day to day. Um, How did you come to that conclusion of like, I need to find something else as a part of my identity? Wow. I I honestly think it was... (laughs) COVID-19. Before March of 2020, I was living in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Lenape Hoking, Lenape Territory. And I was just grinding. Like I'd been living there for seven years, grinding my ass off, um, like head hopped around from the music industry to film and television to the events industry finally. Um, And I knew, like I kind of got in concept, like, okay, rest is important. I have to like be my own person. I can't just define myself by what I do, but I don't think I really internalized it. And then, you know, COVID happened, uh, events industry imploded. I could no longer do what I had been spending most of my time doing professionally. And so 
at the same time, I had already been wanting to kind of transition out of hardcore event production and go more into consulting strategy, creative work. And so March 2020 was the time to really sit down and, and look myself in, in the mirror and be like, okay, who do you want to be? What do you want? What do you want to do? Who do you want to show up as in the world, especially in such a great time of like societal transition? And that is still in process. I think it's a lifelong process, but right now it's a little bit more intentional for me before I was just running and running and just paying my bills and trying to get to the top. And like, I'd never really thought like, what's the end game here? And now I'm kind of like working with end game in mind. Um, so just jumping back though, into that grinding, into that stuff, can you just touch on a little bit about what was your career? Like, what did you find yourself doing? What was that job that you decided, you know, now's the time to pull away from? I'll, I'll kind of start from the beginning and work my way to present. So I moved to New York when I was 18 for college, went to NYU. Um, <laughs> I was going to be a musician. And then halfway through school was like, I don't want to do this. I'm so unhappy. This is not what, how I should feel about the thing that I am intending to do for the rest of my life. So I pivoted and I was like, okay, why did I want to do music in the first place? I know that the arts are such an incredible tool for change. So why don't I like, I don't know, get into global citizen kind of stuff like festivals and really leveraging the arts for a purpose. And so from there, I started producing events with just my friends who were incredibly talented. And I was like, hey, I'm kind of good at this and I'm raising some money and I'm making some money. It's cool. Um, And then after college, I started my own company. I um, I started a company called Humana Creative with my business partner, Priska Che. Shout out, Priska. Um, and we were a events and content production company that created multimedia experiences around identity-driven stories. So we worked with very specific communities, for lack of a better term, uh, to really tell, tell their stories, tell our stories, and really give a voice to those who are underheard and marginalized in society. Um, alongside that, bounced around different freelance jobs, did a stint in like experiential marketing, worked in the agency world for a sec. Um, and then from there, just like built that company, uh, put it, put it on hiatus slash to rest a couple years ago and went really hard into freelancing as a producer. I essentially did event production for a wide variety of clients. I worked with artists for like album launch parties and like got really creative there, which I loved. Uh, worked with a lot of corporate companies to just do like employee appreciation events, HR conferences, other conferences, um, kind of just said yes to like everything that came my way. I, I think it's half luck and half just like grinding my ass off and networking out of college. Like I had so many coffee meetings that paid off like years down the line. And then jobs came in. I said, yes, I just explored everything I could. And basically towards the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I was getting really burnt out. I would work really hard in the spring and then veg out all summer and then work really hard in the fall and just veg out again. And, and it was getting really exhausting. And there were a lot of things about what I did that I loved and a lot of things that I really didn't. And I was like, I think there's a better way. I think there's something else out there. Um, so in a way COVID was a way for me to just stop because I'm not very good at making myself stop, but I was forced to, and I was like, okay, I've been thinking about this 
let's just do it now. <laughs> yeah. But COVID forced us to stop and, you know, take a step back, look at our lives, look at what we're doing. I mean, it's kind of what pushed me, you know, to start the podcast finally and to like yeah. do my thing and find my purpose. Um, but just like coming back a little bit because, you know, I'm just wondering if you can touch a little bit on creating community and networking and how you do that and why you think that that is so vital. 100%. So I guess the reason that I was, I stayed in events for so long and that I still, I still love events. The reason I was so drawn to that industry and it's stuck is because there is, I don't think anything that really replaces the magic of being in a room full of people and like, having a drink in your hand and the DJ is amazing. And like, you're, you just made a friend and like, I don't think there's any way to really replicate that virtually. Not that virtual is bad. It's just different. I agree. It's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way that I kind of look at community building in the work that I do and how that relates to shifting culture is that I think the magic in that feeling is the magic of community. It's it's not just being in a room full of people, right? It's being in a room with people who are there for the same reason you are, who are interested in the same things, and you get to connect and spark something from that shared passion, from that shared interest, from shared experiences, and then take it from there. And so what the way that I kind of look at the more... I guess, like indie events that I, I produce, I'm part of, um, whether they're client events or my own events that I've ideated and, and been part of the creative process for, I look at those as sort of like the starting point for people to be in that room and be like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, there are other people who are like me, we have same shared perspective and shared experiences. And then they can walk away from that experience and be like, okay, I have people behind my back. I have these people like rooting for me. I have these people I can work with. And now I can step into this thing that I may have been wanting to do for a really long time. And I know that there's support. When we can sort of discover the power of our community, of our shared cultures, we can really step into our power as part of a more collective human ecosystem. And that's kind of what I gear all of my work towards. That's what I believe my purpose is, is to help people discover that, yes, I am powerful in my own right, and I'm powerful as part of a society. And I think it's bridging the gap between the individual and the collective that gets me really excited. No, I love that you said that because part of what I say on this podcast is finding the commonalities between all of us and finding the things that maybe are basic, but that we all share. Like mm. celebrating those things is so important and I totally agree. But in the same realm of producing events, I am curious and I'm sure some listeners will be curious too. How do you do it? How do you go about planning corporate events or like artist events or especially events that mean so much to different causes and different groups? So what is that process like? Wow, another big question. I Thank well, you. I'll <laughs> my astrology chart is Cancer Sun, Scorpio Moon, and I I'm Cancer I too. Cancer so too. Okay. yes, I am. I feel you. Yeah, I cry at everything. So yes, <laughs> a lot of tears, a lot of emotions, a lot of water watery feelings um and once I got like a tattoo from somebody who's also a cancer and they were like how do you how are you a producer like how do you keep things organized and I was like I don't know I think it's because one my Mars is in Virgo and Mars is kind of like the planet that rules how you take action um and Virgo is a very organized sign but also you know aside from that I would say first I have to give a huge shout out to my parents who raised me in such a way where I would, 
I was, I'm just always sort of thinking about like, what's next? What do we need to get in place now so that later is a little bit easier? Um, and that was sort of the, like a big part of the philosophy of how I was raised. Um, everything in its place before you actually go for doing something. I think that's a really huge um, lesson that I carry with me all the time. And on top of that experience, I, <laughs> yes. I guess I started, I started professionally plant producing events when I was like 19. But even before that, I like in high school, I was part of a ton of clubs. I was always like kind of organizing things, putting things together, stepping into leadership positions. Um, I really love the feeling of just like being part of making something happen and then seeing that payoff. And so I guess that carried over into my professional life. And so I practiced a lot and I just learned a lot from just saying yes and doing and doing and doing. I've always sort of been the kind of person that's like, all right, let's just do this. Like at one point you just have to pull the trigger and then you just, you learn as you go and you make it happen and find a process that works for you. Uh, on a larger level, I would say like I, as I'm shifting out of event production, I am shifting more into consulting and strategy. And a large part of my practice is finding a way of doing things in a way that works for you. Because what works for me is not going to be what works for somebody else. And I think within that is a larger conversation of like, we need to drastically transform the way we think about how we get shit done. Because so far, it has been like, here are the templates and here's what this person does. And let me just mimic what that person's doing. And maybe I'll like get something out of this. But by the end of it, you're burnt out, you're exhausted, you're unhappy, something went wrong, and you blame yourself. Like, there are all these like psychological things that go with, I think, event planning. Um, and I really think that like the biggest thing I would say when it comes to like, how do you do it is just to like be really gentle and compassionate <laughs> with myself. Yeah. I'm not always the best at it, but I think it's just like looking at it and being like, okay, that works for me and that doesn't work for me. So let me just shift and be agile and figure it out case by case. Um, and that's what I would say to anybody if I were to be giving advice. Yeah. How do you um, personally deal with those feelings of, I, I tend to touch on this subject a little bit on my podcast because I find that many people that I've talked to have touch on it and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to run with this. But um, that comparison, that feeling like you should be doing more, that you could be doing more, the event should have been like this. I could be doing, talking with these clients. Like, how do you deal with that personally? Because everyone deals with it differently. Well, I will say that like just this week, I had this like moment while I was sitting in the car, just like looking out the window, my dad was driving and we were just like, there was just a silent moment. And I just spent like 30 minutes spiraling into like every single thing that's ever gone wrong in my professional career and the things I wish I could have said and done. Oh, I've been there. And I caught myself consciously in that moment. Like it happens sometimes without me knowing. And then I'm just like, oh, fuck. And then I distract myself. But this time I just caught myself and I was like, okay, deep breath, deep belly breath, set that aside. And I was like, okay, thank you. Lessons learned. Here's how I'm going to do it moving forward. And um, I think that that way of coping has been a very recent development. I've had the privilege of working with an amazing creativity and leadership coach, Lavina Lee. Shout out Lavina, a good friend as well. Uh, but on top of, you know, that and technically examining my emotions, I would say that the way I cope is just, <laughs> is just by like 
soothing in the ways that like I think a lot of people soothe in the moment you know if something terrible happens I go home and I cry about it and I don't guilt myself for crying ever I love crying and like if I can't cry I watch like season two finale of Fleabag and I just like oh my god stop Every time. I've watched it like 10 times and I sobbed like a baby every it's time. so good. It's, it's so good. It's like literally watched it in one day. <laughs> so yeah, like it's either, it's, you know, the the wellness, like technical stuff that I, I think everyone needs to find their own way of working through, but it's also the, the basic shit. Yeah. Like watching a sad movie and just crying about it and eating a whole pizza and getting over it the next day and just being like, okay, that happened and that's in the past and... I can't let the past like dictate how I'm going to live and create my future. And I think that that is a lesson that a lot of us can learn because it's very hard to not dwell on things, (laughs) at least personally. Although I do find that holding grudges is bad for your skin. So I'm trying not to do that. Especially as we're moving closer to 30. Got to be careful about that. But, oh my gosh, cancer um, is the biggest grudge holders. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's really bad. Um, but I like that your mindset is like, this happened. This is what it is. You can't change it. You examine it in whatever way you need to, and then you move forward. Um, as far as your career and like, what's the goal? What is like the next thing that you kind of want to touch on? What do you think is like the big goal in your life? That's an interesting question because usually like I'd be able to deliver like, okay, this is my five-year plan. I have my 10-year plan. This is like where I want to die, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you know like, that? I want to retire and this is like the plan, right? But really been trying to not make long-term plans, quite honestly, because I think that it's not just like plans are hard to make because you can't travel or whatever. Like that's there for sure. But I also think it's that the world is transitioning so drastically week by week, day by day. And so much of who I am and the way that I make plans is to be in service to the world and and what what is needed in that moment. And so it's very kind of difficult to tell as things change so much, right? We get a general picture, but it's difficult to tell specifically. That said, what I'm looking at right now is resting for the rest of the year. That's the big goal. Um, I am currently in the middle of a three-month sabbatical that I committed to taking last spring, really discovering what rest looks like for myself um, because I've never really taken time off in my entire adult life. Beyond that is really cultivating a, I guess, consulting practice, for lack of a better term, wherein I can work with people to transform the way we get shit done because I've worked so long in the like area of actually getting shit done. And I think that my impact can be greater if I am working with people to transform the way they get shit done. So that rather than hiring, you know, one person to do all this stuff, like really assisting people and looking at like, okay, how is my like mental health tied into my physical health tied into the way that I'm working and building my business or whatever it may be. And like really treating people as holistic human beings and like shifting, honestly, the culture of productivity and shifting the culture of producing so that we can have a world that works for people and people are working in a way that works and is healthy and is part of a larger like picture of contributing back to society um and so hopefully that's what i that's the legacy i'm like 
hoping to cultivate and I am working towards cultivating right now. I'm excited to see what you do with that next because I think that that will be really, really fun. And I think we could all use that and we, we got to move away from these old school, these old school rules. Seriously. Yeah. 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 100%. I will also add to that. And something I do want to shout out is like another sort of adjacent and relevant project and goal at the moment is also sort of working within, um, more cultural identity conversations um, uh, currently. And as I'm building my, you know, consulting practice and cultivating that, I'm also working with a couple collaborators on a platform called Future Ancestors, um, wherein we are creating a community-led platform for Black, Brown, Indigenous people of color to explore our legacies and really get clear on, quote, the past so that we can consciously create a future. And I, that really stems from kind of a world where like our stories, our narratives are erased and we don't always know the quote truth of what happened. Like my parents are refugees of the Vietnam war. Um, and I know so little about what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a big part of my story. It's, it's in my DNA. It's an, I have inherited trauma from it. And so a big part of that platform is really supporting people in telling their stories, uncovering their stories and saying, okay, this is it. Now I understand. Now I can move forward and like integrate the lessons and, and not move without knowing how I'm moving and what I'm carrying with me. That's a big goal. And yeah. another part of the legacy that I uh, am hoping to cultivate for myself. And so those two things kind of tie in together and essentially creating a more mindful and intentional generation so that like when we're gone we yes. know that we've done something to leave behind something better wow that's so interesting and and what is it your family history that like really made you want to explore that yes okay and more I would okay. say like I I think that a year and a half ago I started uh working in the coaching world and I started realizing a lot of grudges that I'd been holding against my family and my parents and getting really clear on them and having conversations with my parents to be like, Hey, uh, I just realized that I've been holding this thing you did when I was 10 against you all my life. So I'm going to let that go. And we're going to be cool. Like, let's let's do something new. And so within that, I started getting really curious about, you know, their stories and their perspectives on coming to America and making their way with uh, literally nothing And um, their stories are full of just resilience and love and compassion and also just like grit and like straight up hustle. And I learned so much from listening to them. When COVID happened, I started a storytelling project called Tiger Moms, where folks would kind of talk about their mothers and maternal lessons that they've learned. And from there, it just spawned into connecting with my collaborators at Future Ancestors who are interested in the same thing. Again, like finding a community of people who are also interested in learning from their elders and from their ancestors and really harnessing the power of those stories and what we've been left with into something that we can pass down as well. No, I think that's so important. And it like, it reminds me of when I was, I think in like third grade and our teachers were like, you need to pick someone in your family to like tell their story. And I like interviewed my grandmother who's from Sicily and like she would tell us the stories of like living in Sicily and like you know what they would do and a crazy story about her falling into a well it's like maybe I'll have her on my podcast and see if she can explain that but right but it's like things like that and it's like if I never did that at eight 
right? Like I, I just was like, I'm going to interview grandma, like blah, blah, blah. But now I, here I am 20 years later. And it's like, I'm so glad I know that. Like, I'm so glad that I know how she lived there and like how she immigrated here and how, you know, her, my grandfather met, they had a very like, like they wrote letters across. He was here. She was there. It was a whole thing. But, um, it's so important to, for us to like learn these stories and share these stories and pass on these stories. Mm -hmm. So I love that you're like working on a platform to bring people together in like learning these things. Cause I think once people are gone, you know, you never get that chance back. You don't get to ask, you know, grandpa this story. You don't get to like, remember these things. So I love that you're putting focus on that. And I think that all ties back to you, the community aspect, the making space for people. And that's like so important to do. And I love that you call it making space too. I just love that phrase. I don't know why. I just like always love when people are like, don't give it space. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not going to give it the space. Like it, just, it sounds so much better than like, let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the term space has taken on like such a new meaning in the past year or two. And I love it because there are just things that the English language struggles with expressing sometimes. And, and I think it's very cool how language can adapt and change and mean different things according to the context and the generation at the time. Um, love it. I know. Also TikTok has really made me uh, very aware, which does bring me to the pop culture part of our conversation. Um, so I know that you like TikTok. Oh, <laughs> oh so do like I. I'm old person. I'm like, TikTok's no. so cool. <laughs> oh, me too all the time. I'm like, like, someone's like, what are you doing? I'm just scrolling TikTok. Yeah. Like, why? I'm like, you don't understand. To me, TikTok is the least stressful, like, social media platform. Yeah. Because it's just scrolling, you're learning or you're laughing and it's just like, it's like mindless, but it, you're still getting something out of it. I'm curious why you love TikTok because I feel like everyone has a different reason and I feel like quarantine has really just made all of us like obsessed with it. So I'm just curious. Yeah, I spend like so much time a day on TikTok. I've started to set app limits on my phone. So Me I too. Life on social media. But I agree with you. I think TikTok is the least stressful social media platform for me at the moment it's more complex content than just like a photo or like a 240 word character tweet. I don't know how I'm, I don't use Yeah. Um, but, and I also think it's like, there are gems in it. Like you can learn something from it or it's just entertaining. And I also think that like the way that young people like Gen Zers have mobilized and organized politically and and beyond polit- the political realm on TikTok is so cool. Uh, and I think the way that like educators are educating on TikTok is cool because it's engaging. And and I was telling my partner the other night too, it's like this different way of thinking. Because I remember when like I got on Instagram, I got on Instagram like a little later than most of my friends, um, like sometime in late middle school. And I just remember, like, as soon as I started using it, the way that my mind thought of capturing moments in my day changed. And that's what I'm finding is happening as I scroll through TikTok, the way that, like, I'm thinking of capturing different moments and content in my life is changing. And, like, I don't make TikToks because I'm not confident enough, (laughs) like, yet. But I think it's just, like, the way that it's changing the psychology of a generation is so fascinating. And I'm really excited to see, like, how that changes the way that, uh, I mean, it's already changing the way that businesses market themselves. I'm curious to see how it's going to change culture in general down the line. There's so many creative people and I love that everyone has found different areas to be creative on TikTok. 
Yeah. And also in the vein of community too, people have their own damn communities on TikTok. Like I'm super into like fashion TikTok right now. And yep. there's a community of people who do like skits and stuff. And I think that's so cool. And then there's like indigenous TikTok, just like these indigenous activists, educators, influencers who are doing this incredible work and sharing their culture in such a beautiful, creative way. And uh, what's the last one that I was going to mention? It's, oh, it's Laos TikTok. I just discovered, because Laos is a tiny, tiny country. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. It's like a landlocked country between Thailand and Vietnam. It's in Southeast Asia. And, you know, I'm, I'm half Lao. And there's like, like Vietnamese culture has been on the rise for the past few years already. And like, I think that people tend to find their own community. But the only Laos people I've ever really known growing up have been like my family and family friends. And I was like, where are all the Laos people? And I got on TikTok and I was like, oh my God, they're here. They're on TikTok. I couldn't yeah. even find them on Instagram. And so just like finding videos that like share cultural moments that I can connect with. I'm just like, ah, oh, yes, that's, that's it. And then just like jumping off of TikTok and social media and bringing it back a little bit. Uh, what are some of your pop culture loves, some of your TV loves, some things that you escape into? There's a lot, especially because I'm not working right now, so I'm watching a lot of content. I would say, okay, currently, I'm really into America's Next Top Model. Uh, The OG, the OG Tyra. I'm like, it's like, honestly, I try not to guilt myself about pleasures because I think pleasure is for everyone. You should feel guilty about it, though America's Next Top Model is a little bit of a guilty pleasure just because, like, it's just so inappropriate and, like, quite honestly, offensive and racist sometimes. Yeah. And I'm still watching it, and I'm like, why can't I stop? So It's so addicting, especially the early seasons, like, where they uh, – what season are you on? So I'm not watching them in order. I just, like, I looked up some article that was, like, ranked top 20 cycles, and I was like, fuck, fuck it, whatever. So I, yeah. I watched cycle three. I watched cycle 11. I'm currently on cycle 15 right now. Ooh, okay. All right. It gets crazy. Like, I, I watched it religiously in high school, but, like, that was also, uh, that was a bit ago, so, um, but, you know, the way that we view things now is very differently, and, like, there was a BuzzFeed article, I don't know if it was, like, an, a reaction to that one that was, like, many times that, like, Tyra was problematic, or, like, America's Next Top Model is problematic, and I was, like, oh, my God, I remember all these things they made these girls do. It's wild. So yeah. I'm with you on the guilty pleasure thing because it's, it's like you can't look away. You just can't. Yeah. That's my current like binge watch when I have nothing else to do. I just put that on. But otherwise, like also because it's fall, it's getting chillier in most parts of the, the country right now. Um, I rewatch Gilmore Girls every fall. It's just a fall thing. It's I do that too. Shit. Yes. Yes. It's I'm watching fall. it right now. The nip in the air. Let me get like a little chai latte, dirty iced chai and sit down and fucking watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> it is the ultimate fall vibes. You can't even explain it, but it's just, it just is. I, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't even start in the fall. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grey's Anatomy all the time. Always. All the time. That is just like, if I need comfort, I put it on. I don't even watch it anymore. I've seen all the seasons probably like 10 times. I don't Same. know. And yeah. yeah. And then Taylor Swift always. Like, I think those are my quote basic media binges. I love Taylor Swift. I've always loved her. I've gotten in fights with my music friends about why <laughs> I love her. I, I love that. Unreasonably impassioned when I talk about Taylor Swift. Um, I think that no one should apologize for the things that they love because it brings you joy and 
Who cares? And you know what? There's a reason that she's so popular. I mean, the girl reinvents herself every time she comes out with a new album. Like, Folklore was so different than Lover and so different than Reputation that when she came out with these albums, I was like, who is this person? Like, there's a Taylor Swift song for every situation. You know, I will add to that. Maybe this is getting, like, a little intellectual about it. But I do think, like, I'm 100% by, like, don't feel guilty about the things that bring you joy. Like, joy is our most sustainable source of energy. I think it's so important to cultivate joy and pleasure, especially now when we don't, like, have physical touch with each other. Yeah. And I also think it's important to critically engage with especially the content you consume, but generally critically engage with like the things that you engage with. Like I can, I can love watching America's Next Top Model and understand what was problematic about certain parts and, and acknowledge that. And like, I think that, you know, if we're going to get really deep about like being basic and all that stuff, it's about existing in multitudes and like being able to embrace that and say, okay, I get that and I get this and these things are not mutually exclusive and like I can make a decision consciously to say like I'm not going to watch that thing because I'm not cool with that or like I'm going to watch that thing and I know that it's it's not cool in a lot of ways um so that's that's a big caveat that I would add there that's like really important to me I think when it comes to engaging with like pop culture especially. I think I said it in like maybe one of my first episodes where I said you can love the basic things the quote-unquote traditionally basic things and I can still follow politics. I can still know what's going on socially in the world or have my opinions about, you know, business and finance. And like, it doesn't need to be, you know, in the media, it's obviously portrayed certain ways, which is why we have that, you know, quote unquote, basic bitch thing. But, um, you know, we're all kind of a little basic in some ways and everyone can do whatever the hell they want. (laughs) I am so not about the judging. I hate that. I think that that's not needed in the world, especially now. Yeah. And we all just need to like be chill. Let me love a pumpkin spice latte. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to, but like, let me love it. And, oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, Britt, thank you so, so much for joining me. But before we go, I want you to tell everyone where they can learn about you, where they can follow you um, and follow your journey into what's next. Plug it in. Yeah. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter I don't use so much. You know, give me a follow if you want to. I retweet some fun things. Um, my handle is at Brit underscore fam. So that's B-R-I-T-T underscore P-H-A-M. And my website is www.brit-fam.com. I just updated it. It's brand spanking new. Worked with an incredible designer named Leah Garlock. Um, that's basically it. And you can always, you know, find my email, write me an email. Let's have a coffee, whatever. I love talking to people. I love that. Yes. Reach out to Brit. She's amazing to talk to. Brit, we have to do this again. I want to learn what's coming up next for you. We will make space for each other. I I just love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you, Danielle. All right. That was my interview with Brit Pham. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned something. I hope that you are going to create space for yourself in whatever way that means for you, as we are all learning every single day. Please rate, review, subscribe, do all of the things. Follow me on Instagram at Danielle Maria Costa. Follow the podcast at Back to Basic Podcast. Let me know what you want me to get back to basic about and who you want me to get back to basic with. And I will see you on Wednesday because, well, we make space for podcasting on Wednesdays.